It's a windstorm here tonight. There's a windstorm here tonight. There's a windstorm here tonight. That's one of those, though, where keep losing power for just a minute at most, maybe a matter of seconds. It's always my least favorite. I mean, I, there's something I greatly admire about a windstorm, but it's my least favorite in the sense that like shit's flying at my house at however many miles per hour and anything that hits my house sounds like a giant crack. I'm always surprised. Like there'll be a windstorm and I just hear things hitting the house at full force. And I'm like, oh, those are huge branches. And then I go out the next day and it's just tiny little parts of branches. It's like just the ends. But I guess they get hurled with such force. They get hurled with such force. Sounds like something way bigger. Yeah, it's one of those nights where I just can't get settled. Because the lights are going out. Internet goes down. And, you know, the internet always takes a little bit longer to uh, go back on than the power. Yeah, you just don't know what to expect. Like, there's a part of you, like, I, I would rather have power right now, but there's a part of you that when it goes out, you're like, at least it could just stay out for a while. If it just stayed out for a little while, I could at least get used to that. But in my experience, whenever we lose power, and, like, the second that I start to appreciate it, where, like, I have candles lit, I'm drawing, I'm drawing, that's when the power goes back on. Like just when you accept that the power's out, it goes back on. And tonight it's kind of the same. It's the opposite where it's like just when I'm like, oh, the windstorm's over. Because it makes no sense to me. I mean, wind makes no sense to me. I need a scientist to explain it to me. I mean, it's always incredible to me. One of the parts that I admire most, the power just went out again. Power just went out again. That's what I'm saying, though. Like it had just gone back there, back on. It had just gone back on like right before I started recording. So now just in a, in a matter of two and a half minutes, it's gone off and come back on twice. And it's been doing that for the last hour or so. I'm not complaining though. I mean, but it, it does put me at, at une at a, in a state of unease. It's because stuff's flying around. But... Uh, what was I going to say? I mean, the, the, something I admire about the wind, though, is just it's truly invisible. Because we're so used to seeing creative depictions of it, like lines in the air. Like, we're so used to seeing, like, artistic... There, just went out again. Oh, I just heard a, a transformer explode. Hmm. I mean, you can hear that. It's fucking crazy. Power's back on. This is just going to be me narrate. This is going to be obnoxious if I just narrate. Just, wow, see? Shit's hitting my house. Huh. Yeah, that's, those are crazy sounds. Gotta hope for the best. But, uh... The thing is, though, it's it's truly invisible. Like, we're so used to seeing artistic license where it's like someone draws gusts of wind. Like, when you look outside, you, you almost imagine you're seeing that when the reality is, no, the only way that you know wind is there is that everything else is moving. You're not even seeing the air move. 
You're just seeing everything react to it, which is bizarre. And, you know, I've got two dogs here. Lola's still staying here. She's deaf. Like, she must have felt that, because that, whatever that was was crazy. But she's deaf, so she's not hearing it. Whereas Batman, he hears everything as it is. So right now, he's just like, holy shit. Holy shit, Batty. But with, uh, with Lola, it's like she's not hearing everything, so that's good. But she must, she must have felt that last one because something hit the house hard. But yeah, you just look out the window and you're like, everything else is moving. And it's weird to me too, like the idea, like where the fuck does it even come from? Like how does it even get here? Like there's houses lining the street. There's tons of trees. Like is it coming, is it coming here from up above and coming down onto my street? I don't even understand how it gets here. Did this all start in the ocean? You know, because all wind is, it, it's like the, the result of things moving, right? <laughs> you know, isn't it just that, like, the it, does it all come from the ocean? I don't even know. It's like, it's just this air current, and you don't even see it. But it's by far the most severe form of storm we get around here. I mean, it's been just pouring rain for the last two days about just even for wash even by washington standards just pouring but that's been fine it's just like oh i can't go out without getting cold and wet but when when the wind is like this it's really something else it just hurls things but it seems that what i don't get though not only do i not get where it comes from i don't get like like a night like tonight like it'll die down for a little bit like you'll get the, this series of huge gusts and then it dies down for like 20 minutes and then the gusts pick up again. Like you'd think that it would all come at once, but you're just hit with these random bouts of wind. Is it the same wind circling back around? I've got no idea. Lola wants outside. I gotta be careful though. This is a scary fucking wind. And the sound, too. I mean, that's the other thing. It's like, the only way you know it's there is this sudden, loud sound. And then seeing just everything move. I, I know I'm just describing the obvious, but it's one of those things that makes me feel like a, like a teenager on mushrooms every time it happens. Like, where does this come from? How does this happen? What, what the heck is this? What is this? What's causing this? And it just, it, you never, you can never relax because you can never really like settle into doing one thing. Because like I said, it's like the second you, you light candles and sit down, find the right spot, start reading, doing something, like that's when it comes back on, in my experience. The second you settle into no power, the power comes back. And then when the power come ba comes back, you immediately want to do whatever it was you were doing. Like you immediately want to go back to just like mindlessly scrolling through the internet or something, watching a YouTube video. Like you immediately are just like, oh, power's back. I might as well do that instead. Even though you were going to be totally fine without power for a while, you were just going to draw, you're going to read, you're going to do something physical, constructive. But no, the second the power comes back, you just go, oh yeah, I'm going to do that again. And I always bring this up. I know I've done many episodes about this because I always bring this point up. Like, 
how long it takes you. Like, like if you've been without power for like more than an hour or for a day, you know, that happens here every once in a while. But like if you've been without power for a substantial length of time and then it goes back on, you know, like leading up to that moment or right at that moment, you're grateful. You're like, I'm not going to take this for granted. I'm going to make proper use of my power now that it's back. But like asking yourself how long it takes for you to start taking it for granted again. And I find that it's a matter of minutes. Definitely less than an hour. Because I've specifically asked myself that question when the power's been out. I say, okay, when it goes back on, I'm going to be really grateful for it. And then I'm going to try to like realize when I've taken it for granted again. And usually I forget to even do that. I only think about it way later and I was like, oh yeah, like I started taking power for granted again within minutes. Batty, come in. Come in. Come in. Come in. Don't need a dog, a chihuahua hanging outside during a windstorm. Especially if he's going to be fucking hearing everything. It's all right, buddy. Yeah, you start taking it for granted so quickly. That's a good thing. I mean, because you don't need to sit there and like ritualize your entire life. But you'd think it would last for a couple hours. Like you'd think that you'd be like, oh man, it's so awesome that I can walk in this room and turn on the light just like that. You might do that once. Like when the power goes back on, there might be one time where you're happy that you can turn the light back on. And you're like, oh, it's amazing that that works again. Usually it doesn't even happen a second time. Like there's not a second time you turn the light switch on after that. We were like, oh, this is amazing too. And I think, I mean, that's a good thing though. Cause it's like, you just get back to living your life the way it was. Like just cause the power goes out, I guess you shouldn't just like go around being like, oh, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for this light. I'm so grateful for this light switch. I'm so grateful for my Wi-Fi internet. You know, it, it, like... Well, it's nice to be that way. It's not natural. But yeah, the biggest part for me, though, is just like one of the reasons I'm recording this right now is like I'm going to wait out the storm. I don't know how long it's. I mean, there is sometimes, though, where the windstorm's all night. I hate that. That's the worst. Trying to sleep and things are hitting your house. But one of the reasons I'm recording this right now is one, like, I can just carry my phone around. It doesn't need a power source. I'm worried that if I invest myself in doing something on my computer, I'm just going to be continually bothered all night. It's going to go in and out. I don't want to read. I don't want to read because the lights are like staying on and they're going off. Like, so if I light a candle, I'll have to get used to like alternating between natural light and a candle. So what else is there to do except record one of these? What else is there to do? I'm just trying to wait it out, see what's going to happen. Is this going to be a night of nonstop storm? Or is it just kind of letting its presence be known right now and it's going to chill out? It's just the unpredictability, the chaos of just like, your lights are going out. They're coming on, they're going out, they're coming on. Wow, Batty, he's definitely disturbed because he, he's sitting right next to Lola, like touching, and he, he's not, oh, he wanted something. He just took her treat. Batty, come on, man. Oh, that's what he was doing. 
Oh man, that's see that's the thing. They're getting along really well overall. Like Batty gets very defensive about food. Like he's known Lola as long as she's been alive for like two years. Um, so he he you know he's known her since she was a puppy. But he's still very like, and so she spent time here. This is the longest she's ever stayed. I'm just watching her for a while, and uh, he's he's still very aggressive about food. Like they they coexist pretty nicely. He can kind of bully her a little bit, and she's bigger than he is. But uh, he, he kind of bullies her now and again, or plays a little rough. But for the most part, they get along really well. But what I don't like is like. This has happened many times now in the last few days where like she has a treat, like a chew in her mouth and he runs up and just takes it out of her mouth and runs away. Like just steals it. And earlier I got bit really bad because he did that and I went and took it out of his mouth and so he bit me. You know, the thing is he's, he's, a, he's not an unruly dog. He really isn't. It's pretty much anything though involving food. Like, you know, he listens to me, he's very respectful, but anything, if he thinks you're taking food or treats from him, he gets very aggressive, I guess, as, as many people do, as many creatures do. But I'm not sure what to do, because I can't seem to stop him from just, like, ripping food out of her mouth, ripping treats out of her mouth. It's just, it's rude. Let me see if I can give her another one. I'm just narrating nothing. I'm just talking about nothing now, but... There's a few chew toys. There's this one chew that got... It's really worn down. Let's see if she wants this one. No, hey, this is... See, the thing is I grabbed another one for her, and Batty left his other chew. You're being very greedy. You're being very greedy. No, no. This one's for her. You know, I hate to I hate to squirt you with the squirt bottle during a windstorm, but I mean, you can't keep taking her treats, man. Hey, no. This episode's turned into a lesson in dog training. She doesn't even want the treat now. See, I mean, oh, she sees the. See, she's afraid of the squirt bottle. She's afraid of the squirt bottle. All right, let's see how this works. Batty, no. I mean, he can't, he can't be ripping these out of her mouth. Sorry to, for the silence, but he's really trying. Yeah, he's, I've never seen him this stubborn. Really doesn't want to get squirted, but he, he's got his eye on that, that treat. I feel like a police officer right now policing one dog's bad behavior. 
Here, let me see. Maybe I can reward him with the good one or the other one now. No. Hey. No. 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 He's not used to this. He is not used to this. This is funny. Anyway, what was I thinking? Was I talking about? The wind. I was just describing the wind. Some poetry. The wind. You can never see it. You can never see the wind. You can hear it. You can see other things reacting to it. But you can never see the wind. I do a poetry reading. She's got that treat, that chew sticking out of her mouth like a cigar. Hey, buddy. It's funny though. I mean, he's not used to not getting things. He's, you know, he's he's a he lives by himself. He's the only dog normally here, and uh, he's very wet because he got squirted a lot. That was a, an important training exercise. He had to learn that you can't just go rip treats out of Lola's mouth. I mean, you do start to feel like a parent. Like even though I'm taking care of Lola and. You know, she's not just a strange dog. Like, it's still very embarrassing to me, even though I'm the only one here, even though I'm the only one watching them. It's still very embarrassing to me that uh, my dog would run over and just rip a treat out of another dog's mouth. And she's already intimidated by him. Like, they get along, like she loves him, but... She's already intimidated by him and like just to have like when you're enjoying a treat just to have this little chihuahua run over and just rip it out of your mouth. It's it's like it'd be comical. But anyway, what's on my mind? I, in other news, uh, you know, I, I didn't even look at the news or check up on anything for probably over a week. Could have been the better part of two weeks. You, you just kind of melt into reality. You know, it's you just kind of melt into ordinary reality. And all of these things that are like clouding people's brains, which, you know, are hard not to pay attention to. But still, all of these things that are clouding people's brains, like you're totally oblivious to them. You're in an alternate reality for sure. But I know one of the things that happened was uh, Elon Musk... Elon Musk bought Twitter, which everybody's talking about. It's like, I guess, one of the main things that's been in the news recently. It's funny, though, because on one hand, like, you know, if he means it, that he's willing to broaden free speech, you know, at least a little bit closer to its rightful place, prioritize that at least a little bit more. I mean, anything's an improvement. Jesus, shit's still hitting my house. But, uh, you know, anything's an improvement. Any one of these social media companies broadening their definition of free speech, even a little bit, is an improvement. So if he's committed to that, that's great. Like, I'm not a, tw a big Twitter user. I'll read it. But I'm not a big Twitter user by any means. But that said, I also recognize its importance. And I, I was reluctant to accept that. I've mentioned that before. I, like, I, didn't, 
I was very reluctant to accept the level of influence that Twitter specifically, one, I hate the word. It's like a sour, hey, baddie, no, man, no, no. See, just when I got distracted, he took the treat away again. He got squirted, too. It's like right now, it's not even about like, because she's not even as interested in chewing on it right now. Uh, but it's, it's the principle of it. Like, I just, I just really want to teach him. You, you can't just go rip that out of your, out of her mouth. Like, it's one thing if it's just laying idle. Sure, go take it. It's anybody's treat. But the idea of just, like, running up and just taking it out of her mouth, I just, you can't do that, Batty. You can't do that. Um... What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, Twitter. Like, you know, I was very reluctant to accept the level of influence it had. And it took a while for me to accept that. Because, like, I was just like, oh, it's that stupid site where people write really short messages. But we can see. I mean, it's undeniable the amount of influence it has over people's thinking and whatever the current discourse is. Like, I, I had to recognize that, like, whatever topic you hear people talking about elsewhere in the media on other social media sites, just anything that's in the air that day probably got its start on Twitter. That's what I had to reluctantly accept. And funny enough, it was from football. Like I, I first started to realize that from being a pro football fan where I realized, oh, all of the breaking news cites Twitter first. It cites a tweet, like even from a, a sports journalist, like a guy who covers sports, like he, he would, he would like, announce something relevant to sports first on Twitter, and then everybody else would cite that. They'd be like, Adam Schefter. Adam Schefter just tweeted this. And it'd be some breaking news, like a trade or a player got signed. Something. Some player was injured on injured reserve, whatever it was. It was all coming from Twitter first. And then the players themselves started to make announcements there. Like, it started to become the way that you get breaking news about professional athletes and that's just one dimension of it but that was how I first noticed it like it didn't make me start reading Twitter I was just like oh yeah like all the sports stuff I follow it's the primary source now is always Twitter it's all being announced on Twitter it's all coming from there and I started to notice that too where like even during NFL games they would show tweets on the screen from other athletes watching the game it would be like like, let's say it was a game that the Patriots weren't playing, but it would be like, oh, Tom Brady tweeted this about the game. Tom Brady tweeted this about the game. I just started to realize through through the NFL, of all things, I was like, oh, this is playing a huge role in sports journalism and just in the way players interact with the world and everything. And then, of course, like Trump's fell. I mean, that, that was like, yeah, that was probably like around the time shortly before Trumpsfeld took office and everything. So it's like then that, then it just became obvious this is where all the politic, all the all the political bullshit is happening. This is where all this this is where today's topic is being generated. No matter what the subject is, like whatever the current conversation is, it probably started on here first. I was very reluctant to to accept that, to believe that, and it turned out to be true. And also a lot of funny stuff. I mean, it goes, like I said, it applies to many things. But I, I, I always hated the name. Like, you don't want to say Twitter out loud. There's something like corrupt. There's like a corrupting force that touches you a little bit when you, when you use a word like that. 
but then I eventually started reading it a little bit, just selectively. And uh, so I guess long story short, like, I mean, it's a good thing if somebody even has a little bit more of an interest in free speech than the shit that we've had. So Elian, you know, and I, he gets his name from Elian Gonzalez. Many people don't know this, but Elian Musk was named after the Cuban refugee Elian Gonzalez. You know, Elian Gonzalez is younger than Elian Musk, but, you know, Elian Musk's like sci-fi time machine, man. You know, here's the thing that's funny about that. Uh, I don't think he's cool unto himself. Like, that's the funny thing about this. Like, some of the people who are like, oh, it's great that somebody who cares about free speech, you know, took ownership of this company. We'll see how that plays out. I'm pretty cynical at this point about how these things play out, but, uh, you know, it's funny how, like, I guess what, I, what I'm getting at is it's funny how someone like that has become such a polarizing figure. Where, like, you either think he's really awesome, you either think he's really cool, you think he's really cool, you think he's really cool, or you hate him. It's like everybody now. You know, it, it's like it's Bhagavad Gita stuff where it's like we've reached the point where if you don't declare a side in the war, one will be declared for you. And even someone like that, like Elon, Elon Musk, who pretty middle of the road, like, yeah, an eccentric entrepreneur, inventor type guy. He's that archetype. But as far as his views and stuff, he's pretty middle of the road. And uh, the fact that even he's a polarizing figure, I mean, it's something we just see over and over again, where every single person, every single person is polarizing. Anybody who makes it to the world stage now is polarizing. The sides have been declared for them. Even, even somebody as middle of the road as that. But what I was going to say is, like, it's funny to me that like, people either love or hate him or all for him or all against him. Because, like, I don't trust the guy at all. Like, I said this when they first announced the uh, that he was thinking about buying Twitter. I was like, oh, so people, hey, baddie, man, you're just being bad. You're just being bad. You're being bad. I mean, to be fair, he's the only one who can hear the windstorm. Like, she can't hear it, so he's got to deal with that. But, uh. But anyway, like a guy like Elian, Elian Musk, like when I first heard that he was thinking about buying Twitter, like my first thought was like, oh, this is great. Like the guy who's inventing Neuralink, you know, he's, he's trying to invent this thing called Neuralink or Neuralink that, that basically makes it so that like you can, you can like interface with the digital world just using your brainwaves. You can basically like... You'll be able to do things psychically. You'll, you'll be able to do things using technology just through like the force of your brain alone. It's just some sci-fi bullshit that I don't trust. It sounds horrible. Like you'll, you'll be able to read people's minds basically. And I'm like, oh, the guy who's developing that just bought the world's biggest simulation of the human subconscious, which is, you know, social media, Twitter, like I've said that before, it's a simulation of the of the collective subconscious, where it's it's things that people are thinking on their own and not saying out loud, 
usually things that come to them just as thoughts. And sure, they know there's an audience, but as we know, people don't really have restraint. So they're basically like sharing their subconscious with the world and everybody's doing it together. And the guy who, who wants to develop insane technology that synthesizes the human brain with digital technology now owns that. And that's what's always funny to me about people like Joe Rogan, who I like. You know, I, I've always liked Joe Rogan. I always will. I think he's a decent guy. I think he's a really decent guy who, if anybody should be in his position, he's as good of a choice as any. I think there's a, there's a lot to admire about a guy like that. You know, there's a lot to criticize about him, too. Like, But if you can't admire what a guy like that's been able to do, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. But, you know, Joe Rogan, like, he, he's obviously a friend of Elon Musk. And he's, 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 what's funny is he's very skeptical. You know, Joe Rogan's very skeptical of so many things, but he's like, oh, my friend, my friend Elian is developing this thing that, like, uh, connects the human brain to digital technology. Oh, my friend Elian's inventing this. It's amazing. Like, I think, I, I imagine, he, I think he's expressed skepticism over this Neuralink thing. But it's still just kind of funny that, like, people hear that and they're just like, oh, this is cool. Like, I'm not a Luddite. Like, I like a certain amount of technology. But I just, I, I, I'll never trust somebody who wants to put human beings on Mars. I'll never trust anybody who wants to create some form of synthesis between the human brain and digital technology. Like, I truly am too much of a pagan for that shit. Even though I have this whole belief about how paganism means using every tool available to you. Where, like, the pagans of old... They weren't using old stuff just to use old stuff. They were using current technology to them. It's just that we look back on it and it's like, oh, it's amazing. It's medieval. Oh, it's amazing. It's medieval fantasy stuff. You know, like neo-pagans fetishize that stuff. But like real pagan people of old, they, didn't fet they weren't using the things they were using for fetishistic reasons. Like, like maybe some of their rituals were that way, some of their ceremonies, but in terms of just the way they lived their lives, like a basic pagan lifestyle, what we call a basic pagan lifestyle. Oh, you live in the basic pagan lifestyle, but, no, but, but like the things they used just on a practical basis were just like the technology of the time. They burned candles because that's, that's how you, you, you used light. That was, that was the only way to like keep your house lit. Um, but I kind of have that philosophy for myself. I, gotta, I don't consider myself a pagan, but I kind of have that, that philosophy where it's like you can, uh, you can make use of the technology that's available to you during the time you're alive. Like you can be a pagan who uses computers and uses phones and does all the things that a modern human being does. But I think you do so kind of reluctantly and conservatively and you don't egg on new developments like you you have like an innate you know conservative streak that says like hey maybe we shouldn't do that maybe we should just improve upon the things that we currently have like maybe we should just improve upon the technology that we've already developed or just sit with this and see what this does for a while rather than synthesize the human brain with digital technology 
So I can't fully trust someone like Elon Musk. And, and why do I need to trust him? Why do we need to trust all these people? But uh, with him in particular, like, yeah, it's a good thing for free speech if he's able to actually allow people to say, you know, things that were totally acceptable until relatively recently. You know, that's a good thing, but I still don't trust a guy like that. And it's funny to me that we live in a time where, like, you have to take a side. Oh, the billionaire is doing something. You better have a, you better react to it. You better cheer it on. You better, you know, get really upset. Because that's the thing that's so weird about our, our world today. Like, one thing I did see when I finally, like, checked Twitter and the news again after a week or two away from it, the first thing I saw was, like, like somebody was quoting uh, Jimmy Fallon. Or not Jimmy Fallon. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy. What, what's the other? <laughs> can't think of his name the guy from the man show it's not jimmy fallon might, might as well be i mean the fact that like these like generic late jimmy kimmel but these like generic late night hosts now are all just named jimmy and it really makes no difference which one you're referring to because they all have the same opinions they all express themselves identically oh he's just a jimmy you host a late night tv show in the 2020s your name is jimmy but it was something Jimmy Kimmel had said, who like I used to think was kind of cool. When I was a kid, you know, when the man show was on, and you know, I used to think Jimmy Kimmel, I think he was on Win yeah, he was on Win Benstein's money too. He was like the, the the lackey. He was like the like Ben Stein was the straight man hosting the show. And I think Jimmy Kimmel did like kind of goofy stuff in support. But like I was always more of an Adam Carolla guy, and I still am. Like I listen to Adam Carolla's podcast pretty regularly. You know, he's he's kind of, he's antiquated, but I always like Adam Carolla. But, like, I used to think of Jimmy Kimmel as, like, decently cool. As far as celebrities went, he seemed decently cool. But one of the first things I saw when I got back, when I checked Twitter the other day, uh, power's out again, was uh, Jimmy Kimmel, be, like, saying something, like, really nasty about Elon Musk. Like, really harsh and nasty and emotional and emotional. And I was like, is this what this guy's become? Like, I knew he was kind of a stooge for the, the regime and all that. I wish I could remember what he said, because it was just, it was so, uh, like, hysterical. Like, it, it, was, it was filled with such hysterics, which is how so many people express themselves now. Because what, what, what we've learned about this simulation of the human subconscious that is social media is how, like, these people, like, their subconscious is filled with lies. Like, it's not like we're, tr we're seeing their true self or even the version of them that they want us to see. It's like we're just seeing these fleeting, lying thoughts come from them. You know, like, like somebody says, uh, all thoughts are lies all the time. <laughs> all thoughts are lies all the time is what somebody says. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and like you really see that with like something like Twitter, like we're like, I doubt that Jimmy Kimmel deep down really has an opinion about Elon Musk buying Twitter. I doubt he actually gives any shit about that. But it's like he, he's he's like part of this way of thinking, you know, he's part of this world now where you're just like constantly coming up with lies and expressing them. It's just nonstop lying. It's just it's it's just 
nonstop dishonesty. And and it, anytime someone's outraged by something, that's usually the case. Like all this outrage that people feel about anything that comes up, anything and everything. You, it's like there's some sort of data hard coded into everything that that tells modern people how to how outraged to be about it. And like Jimmy Kimmel just outraged. He said something like really harsh about Elon Musk. And I was like, this is just so incredible. Especially because that guy used to seem halfway cool. I would never say I was someone who was like, oh, dude, Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel is fucking awesome. And I never would have praised Jimmy Kimmel on his own. But like growing up, the man show was irreverent. He just seemed like any like chubby, irreverent comedian. And, uh, you know, but I, I guess I feel really privileged in a way to see how truly uncool some of these people are. Because that's like basically all it comes down to is like some people, they've just, they've revealed themselves to be so totally uncool. Howard Stern is another, you know, Stephen King. A lot of these guys who kind of seemed like they were part of the counterculture at one point in time and probably were, have just re revealed themselves to be such, such, you know, spineless pussies. They really have. And not because they have different opinions. They've just shown themselves to be utterly spineless. And uh, I don't know if that's just like self-survival. I mean, like, like I said, I'm, I'm open to people having different opinions. And I could name many people who have different opinions or they say things that I totally disagree with. But I wouldn't call them spineless. But in this case, there's a few of these guys, and, I, and I'm focusing specifically on men here, who seemed like they understood. They, they seemed like they were people who were probably locked in for life and would continue to at least be like, maybe not cool, but at least not utterly embarrassing, at least to, to not become just totally compromised by the worst possible things going on right now. But sure enough, here they are. Sure enough. And, uh, you know, it'd be fine with me if, if, if this whole thing, like, tanks something like Twitter. I don't think that would be a bad thing at all. If this just tanked it. It's a good thing either way, because it either means that maybe it will actually improve. Maybe it will actually become a better place for people to express themselves truthfully. Or the opposite, that it just tanks the whole company and people stop using it, which isn't such a bad thing either. That's not such a terrible thing either. But I guess this is such an obvious point to make, but like the Jimmy Kimmel thing and some of these other people who are reacting to the purchase, I'm just talking about what everybody talks about these days, but... There are, all these, there are all these celebrities really upset about the purchase, threatening to leave. And that is very significant where it's like they're threatening to leave because there will be more free speech. On a website where like you have to curate what you can see. Like you choose what you see on there. You follow who you want to follow. And if someone upsets you or says things that you don't want to see, you just don't follow them or you block them. 
And so the idea that you would quit a website that like allows you to have total control over what you see, but you would quit because of the possibility of people saying things that you don't agree with in places that you might not even see them said. It's the equivalent of wanting to control what people say in their own homes. I mean, there is a comparison there. Like if you're not following somebody and therefore don't see what they said, how does it actually matter to you what they say? To me, that's the same thing as caring about what your neighbor says in their own home and you can't even hear it, but still caring. But I mean, we're at that point where that's what what people, that's what these same people want to be able to control. They want to be able to control what you say in your own home around private company. That's the, the level that they're on. And, you know, all of this stems from that idea of hate speech, which I remember when I first started hearing that term used, it was definitely over a decade ago. It wasn't in, too, it wasn't in that common of, of use yet. But I did start to hear it around Olympia. Probably, I mean, I was at Evergreen. I probably started hearing it right away when I was there. But it, it didn't have the same moment. It, it hadn't really built up the momentum that it's had in recent years. It was still kind of an obscure, like the average person would have no idea what you're referring to when you said that. Like they would understand what a hate crime is. But the idea of hate speech which was still a lot more narrowly defined even back then. But the idea of that wasn't something that you actively heard. And I remember when I first noticed, I, I remember when I first noticed friends using it in earnest though. They were all women, like liberal women that I knew. I, I first started to notice that entering conversations. Oh, well, no, that's hate speech. Free speech isn't, or, you know, hate speech is not free speech. I first started to notice little comments like that, but it wasn't that big of a deal. Like the people saying that weren't the kind of people you really expected to police you. It was just something they kind of said. Like you didn't really feel uncomfortable around those people. Like you feel like you could still joke around about a reasonable amount of stuff and that, and that kind of thing. But I just remember like the idea kind of entering. Like it, it, was, it was a relatively new idea that people were taking to. And right away, I was like, ooh, that's really insidious. That is very insidious. And then I just, I noticed it start to grow. I started to notice it become bigger and bigger. I started to notice it take off. It became mainstream. And as it did so, you know, the parameters of what defined hate speech became massive. It, it really did become like anything that I don't want somebody to say is hate speech. It really, it really did get that broad. And it became a very easy way to restrict free speech. You know, it became a very easy and effective way. Of course it did. That's why it seemed so insidious to me at the time. Even though it just seemed like something that people were saying on the fringes back when I first heard it, I remember immediately being like, that's insidious. That has the potential to really creep in if people take that to heart. And sure enough, they did. You know, at least a lot of people. 
But anyway, I don't, I don't mean to go off about this stuff again. Just this Twitter thing got me thinking about it, because like seeing how people reacted to it, that it was even something to react to at all. And that there's a significant amount of the population, some of them celebrities, some of them normal people, who think a guy who's very middle of the road wanting just a little bit more free speech on a public platform is enough to like threaten the guy, it's enough to scream about, have a tantrum over. That's That tells you everything you need to know about them. Anybody who would immediately see that as, as a terrible thing worth getting outraged over, even though they're lying, even though they deep down they truly don't care, they're just in such a warped, delusional reality at this point that they think what they're feeling is real. You know, they think what they're feeling is real. It's not. But I mean, even the craziest person in the world who's literally hallucinating is upset about what the, they're upset about the hallucination they're seeing. You can tell them it's not real. They're still going to scream. And that's what's going on here. People are hallucinating and they're screaming at the hallucination. And nothing you can say or do is going to tell them, is going to reassure them that, oh, hey, what you're upset about is not even close to real. And one of the reasons why it, it, it's so fruitless to even try is because it's just one hallucination after the next. Whatever the topic of the day is. Like the mycelium sends off a signal to everybody who has a certain way of thinking and tells them, oh, get really outraged about this. Feel this way about this. Doesn't matter what it is. Yesterday, it's Russia and Ukraine. Today, it's Elon Musk buying Twitter. Tomorrow, it's a football player taking the knee. It doesn't. It makes no difference what it is. Every day, it's like the mycelium that you're attached to sends you a signal that says, get upset about this today. Feel this way. Take this stance on this. It's all like it's predetermined. And it could be anything. Lola, Lola. I don't want you digging on the couch. No, but it's like a signal goes out. It's like... There's a predetermined stance toward anything and everything. Like even the Elon Musk stuff. Like I said, while I'm while I'm specifically talking about people who were upset about it, negatively upset, like outraged by it, it goes the other way too, where like there's another sort of person who's just like, oh, he's awesome, dude. Dude, Elon Musk is fucking awesome. Dude, I fucking love technology. I fucking love like that dude who invents things and like, oh, it's awesome. He he likes free speech. Even though I agree with them that like it's probably a good thing that a guy like that buys a public platform like Twitter opposed to the people who were running it before. I don't trust him either. I don't like this technology shit he's doing. I think he's a little too eager to mess with our reality. He's better than a lot of people. His attitudes to me are better than a lot of people. He has a sense of humor. He has a, an irreverence that's very necessary, you know. I mean, basically, like, in order to have any respect from me at this stage, like, you have to have a certain amount of irreverence. 
and uh, he has that. So, I mean, I respect that. Like, I don't hate the guy by any means, but, like, as far as what he is, you know, it, it, that, it freaks me out. A guy who's thinking a little too much about Mars. A guy who wants to create, like, you know, neurological digital hybrids, you know, whatever the fuck he's trying to do. That shit scares me. But at the same time, I'd rather have a guy like that behind it than some of these other freaks. <laughs> you know, if, if somebody has to be that guy, like if somebody has to be that eccentric billionaire inventor, I'd rather it actually be him than some of the alternatives out there. So that's about the nicest thing I can say about him. Well, he's a better alternative than some. Because the truth is, like, if it were up to me, I would rather he turn the screws to people way more than he's even doing. He's more civil than he needs to be. Like, if I had his money and influence, I don't think I would be nearly that civil. I, I'd actually like to see him turn. I, I'd like to see him turn the screws a little tighter, as they say. Turn the screws a little lot tighter. I'd like to see him turn the screws a little tighter, as they say. I would, though. And that's why it's a good thing. Like I said, like I, I'm someone who's very content to never be... I don't even want the option of being a tyrant ever in my life. I know what, a, what an unbearable tyrant I can be in the smallest little ways in my life. I, I would hate for that to be... I would hate to ever have influence over people. Um, this, isn't about, this isn't about me, though. I think a guy, that's kind of how I see a lot of these guys. I see a lot of these guys where I'm like, you know, he seems like he, he's a better fit for that role than some of the alternatives. If an, ex, if, if, an, if an eccentric tech billionaire, trillionaire, whatever he's worth, billionaire, excuse me, he's a billion billionaire. If an eccentric uh, billion billionaire has to you know, be trying to send rockets to the moon and develop weird Neuralink technology while owning the largest social media or platform. You know, he's better than some of the alternatives who could be in that role. And, you know, honestly, that's what I would prefer someone say about me. You know, if someone were to say, oh, that guy, Eric. Yeah, you know, I don't love him. He's not great. But he's better than some of the alternatives. <laughs> Honestly, like that'd be the highest praise you could give me. Oh, he's better than some of the alternatives. I'm I'm glad that he's doing what he's doing rather than somebody else. It's not the highest praise I could ever want. Turns out women don't love it when you tell them that. Oh, what do you like about me? Well, you're better than some of the alternatives. I'll tell you that much, baby. You're better than some of the alternatives. I'll tell you that much, babe. Like a girl's worst nightmare. <laughs> it's really it's a woman's worst nightmare for a man to tell her, well, you know, you're not great, but you're better than some of the alternatives. That's how I feel about Elian Musk, though. Not great, better than some of the alternatives. Don't trust him. Trust him a little more than I might someone else. 
Anyway, I don't, I don't know what to th think of this windstorm. Like, I'm ready to kind of settle in and be comfortable and just, like, mindlessly scroll the internet until I pass out, like I was planning to do. And that was my plan. That was my Friday night, is I was just going to, like, mindlessly scroll the internet until I pass out next to these two dogs. Here's the thing, too, that's really disruptive, just to go back to the windstorm, is, like, because there's, like, three digital clocks here. Like, my family had this really old one. I mean, this, this one, it must be as old as I am. It's like this wood-paneled and black plastic digital alarm clock. It's, it's pretty big. It's like the size of, uh, what's, it, what, what's it the size of? I don't know. You know, it's, it's, like a, it's like a radio alarm clock, but it's from, like, 1980. Still works. Still works. It's very pagan. It's pagan technology. But I still have that set up here and then like the oven clock and everything. And you know, when the power goes out, as everybody knows, it resets the clocks. But our night tonight, like, it's really disturbing to see the flashing clocks not set. Like as I'm standing here in my kitchen and like seeing these two clocks just flash at me, not set, it really unnerves me. But the first time we lost power earlier tonight, I reset the clocks. Immediately lost power again. So it's like you can't count on it. You can't, you can't be so insane that you're resetting the clocks every single time you lose power because you're going to be doing that all night. But then you live with these flashing clocks that just unnerve you just a little bit. They're just enough to make you feel a little bit crazy, make you feel unsettled. But you're going to be even crazier if you set them and then you lose power in two more in two minutes and then you have to reset them again. Like, you know, it's just one of those little things that makes you lose your mind. And there's no reason for it. There's no reason why these two flashing lights, like it's not like it's actually distracting. Like I can choose whether to look in that direction or not. But knowing they're there, knowing that these clocks have been disrupted and they're just flashing, just knowing that's going on, it causes some sort of psychic fucking ripple, cuts right into my brain. But I don't know if the windstorm's over. Like, I'm kind of getting a feeling. I'm kind of getting a feeling like we might have had the worst of it. But I can hear it. I can still hear it. I don't want to get too settled into anything. I don't want to get too settled into anything. Because right when I do, we're going to lose power again. Lose power again. We're going to lose power again. Oh, shit. Lola's got a seal. The nice thing about having Lola here is that they've just been going... Because Batty has like five toys that he regularly plays with. He has a lot of toys. But he has, you know, he has like three that he really loves. And then a couple others that he kind of alternates. But... Having another dog here, like, she'll just go into the toy bin and pull random toys out and just get excited. And that makes Batty want them more, too. So that's kind of fun. Like this seal toy. It's like a... I don't even think it's meant to be a dog toy. It's like this stuffed seal. He used to love it. Like, when we first got it, he, he would bring it to bed with him and stuff. But Lola got it out, and now all of a sudden, seal's a hot item again. Seal's a hot item again. Anyway, I'm going to... I don't know, I might, <laughs> we'll see if the power stays on. If it goes out again, I'll probably record more because I don't have anything else to do.
God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children Hey.